Now, uh, during summer, we have been having a sermon series looking at the shocking sayings of Jesus or seven shocking sayings of Jesus, some things that he says that startle us, and, and one that we've been trying to remember, uh, trying to get sunk deep into our minds and hearts uh, and has also been our kid spot. That uh, comes from Luke chapter 12. Uh, Bob, can you flick the next one up for me? I should put the remote on. There we go. Now, some of you, I'm sure, have memorised this already and you're so well, so, so strong at, at taking on uh, Bible verses that you just have to look at it and blink and it's embedded in there. Uh, but others of us need more practice and we've got to say it a few more times. So uh, let's, let's have another practice together right now. Are you ready? Yes, let's go. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Uh, chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. Thanks. Uh, so we've been, we've been trying to remember this, and it's an important verse, isn't it, that, that reminds us that God knows something startling. He knows how many heads there are on your head. Like, exactly. How many hairs there are on your head. Now, maybe there's some of us that's not, that's not that surprising, and, and we all know how many hairs there are on your head. Uh, but do you know how many hairs there are on the average human head? A lot. 5,000. Yes, okay. Uh, we've got a guess of 5,000. Does anyone want to go higher? 160,000. We'll go lower than 160,000. Anyone else want to guess? That's a big gap, isn't it? 80,000. Did someone say that? 10. Uh, no, no, closer with 80. 65, no, higher, higher. Yes, Caleb, higher. A million, no, not that many. It's about uh, 100,000. 100,000 hairs on the average human head. If you're blonde, you likely have more. If you have red hair, you likely have less. Uh, and if you have brown, dark hair, you're in the middle. Uh, that's, that's what statistics tell us. Uh, no, I don't think anyone's counted them all uh, because that would probably drive you insane, wouldn't it, trying to count them all? Uh, but how long, would it, do you, how long would it take for you to count up to 100,000? Does anyone want to guess at that? How long, Caleb? 100,000 seconds. Uh, maybe. I think we kind of slow down, though. I think when we... That's a good guess, though. One second, a number. Uh, well, uh, this guy did it. Does anyone know who this is? Yeah, Mr. Beast is a YouTuber. Uh, he, he did it. He made a video of himself counting up to 100,000. And it took him 40 hours. 40 hours. They condensed the video because no one was going to sit through 40 hours of someone counting. Uh, it took 40 hours. So that's a long time. But there's not just one person, is there? When, when Jesus says, God knows the hairs on your head, he doesn't just know one person's hairs. There's a, there's a lot of people in the world. 
uh, about 8 billion people. So let's do some maths. 8 billion people <laughs> equals 8 followed by 9 zeros times 100,000 hairs. How many hairs is that all together? About 800 trillion hairs. That's a lot of hair. That's a lot of hair. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so that's eight. That's we'll go back again. Eight eight billion uh, people times forty hours per head. How long would it take us to count them all? About three hundred and twenty billion hours, or that many days, that many weeks, or months. Thirty-six million years. <laughs> that's how long it would take you to count everyone's hair. Uh, but God knows. God knows the intricate details of your life. And he cares. That's what this verse is telling us. This astronomical number. That's just all the people right now. What about all the people through history? What about the fact that the number of hairs on our head changes every time you brush your hair? But God keeps up with it. He knows how many hairs there are on your head. Sometimes, it's, sometimes we feel like we're very small in the grand scheme of things. We're not very important. But we're important to God. Important enough that he wants to know about every little part of our life. He cares. It's one of the reasons why I love this verse, why it's so encouraging. Not a, not a sparrow is forgotten by God. I counted them up too. There's 1.6 billion sparrows. Um, they're the most numerous bird uh, in the world. But God, God cares about the sparrows, but how much more does he care about people? You are worth more than many sparrows. We should remember it. Let's say it together one more time to help it sink in. Uh, all right, let's go. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Luke chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. And we are so important to God that he speaks to us. And he doesn't just know about us, but he reveals himself to us. We're going to read his word now uh, in, from Genesis and Revelation. So let's pray that we'll hear well. The loving Father, thank you for speaking to us in your word, the Bible. Thank you for telling us about yourself. Thank you for telling us what you have done to save us from our mess of sin. Now, please help us now to hear your word and understand it. Please help us to take it to heart and be shaped by it so that we might follow Jesus better, better glorify you. Amen. Amen. If you want to open your Bibles, Genesis, Owen's going to bring us our readings. I'm economical on God's counting time. 
First reading is taken from Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 to 21, and that's on page 10 of the Brown Pew Bibles. The Lord's covenant with Abram. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Elysia of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the Lord of, word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur, of the Shalidians, to give you this land and to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I shall gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each of three years old, with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and that they will be enslaved and ill-treated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking brazier with a blazier torch appeared, and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I give this land from the Wadi of Egypt, the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Second reading is at the other end of the Bible uh, in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 to 17, and it's on page 870 of the Brown Pew Bibles. The great multitude in white robes. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our Lord who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne 
and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God for ever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, Those in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Uh, you may like to turn your Bible to Luke 11, ready to follow along as we continue thinking about shocking things that Jesus says. Uh, but uh, today's a little bit different. Uh, this was originally planned to be two sermons, um, but we had Matt visiting last week, and so we didn't get to cover one. So I'm going to do two sermons today. Uh, uh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I'm not going to do two sermons. Uh, we're going to just, just briefly have a look at the encouraging or the shocking thing Jesus says in the first one uh, without, without a sermon, and then we'll concentrate on the second one. Uh, the first one is this. I'm just going to put, give you the verse straight up. Jesus says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. He says it in Luke eleven twenty three, And I want you to just to, to consider this for a moment. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Have a think, why, why is this shocking? Why does this cut against the grain of our, of our world today? Why wouldn't people expect Jesus to be like this. Have a, have a moment and think about it. Maybe, maybe chat to the person who's next to you. Talk to them about, why do you think, why is this a shock? I'll give you a moment. All right, have you got it all worked out? You got it all worked out? Well, let me tell you, Here's, here's why it strikes me as being shocking and why it stands out and like a sore thumb in today's world. I think most people think of Jesus as being nice, being kind of kind to everyone, about being, we're all, we're all in this together. Be, be gentle. Say nice things to one another. But here Jesus is saying, no, we draw the line here. 
You're either with me or you're against me. There's no, there's no kind of in the middle. There's no sitting on the fence. If you're not gathering with me, if you're not helping my cause, then actually you're, you're undoing it. You're working against me. And it comes, it comes in the context of where some of the Jews he was talking to were arguing about which side Jesus was on himself. Was he on the devil's side? Um, I'm not going to go into the whole passage. Um, you may like to read that later. It's Luke, 14, Luke 11, 14 to 26. But he clearly says, with, when it comes to me, you're either in or out. And you have to decide, are you with me or against me? Are you helping or are you hindering? Are you with me on the side that God is working through or are you on the side of the devil? That's the the stark contrast that he puts to the people who are listening and he puts to us. Uh, We're going to turn to the next one now though and... Uh, we won't read all that. Here's the, next, here's the next shocking saying that comes. Jesus says, maybe, maybe less shocking. Jesus says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now, it doesn't really make sense without the stuff that's going on around it, does it? Rather than what? That's why, that's the big, uh, the big part of this. Why is it more blessed to hear the word of God and obey it than something else? Well, let's turn to the passage and read it together and see what's going on. It's Luke 11, starting from verse 27. As he was saying these things about being with me or against me and about uh, whose side are you working on? As he was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. As the crowd increased, Jesus said, This is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given it, except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. No one lights a lamp and puts it, under it, puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore... If your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. 
There we go. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Rather than what? Well, Jesus is countering what one of the women from the crowd has called out. Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. But Jesus says, well, more blessed than being my mother is being someone who hears and obeys God's word. So what's the thinking? The woman, the woman recognises that Jesus is someone special, that he's doing something important. He's just been talking about the division between the two sides, Satan's side and God's side, and he's been saying, I'm working with God's power. He's healed, healed someone from demon possession. If you're not with me, you're against me. Well, who's more with me, who's more with Jesus than his own mother? Who's got better access to this important person? Who is more dignified in the grand scheme of things? Who has the, the most who has the most honor being close to this one? Isn't it his mother? See, the, the woman in the crowd seems to be concerned about the status of being with Jesus, being with him by close biological ties, by being someone honoured in his inner circle. And so she says, blessed is, is Jesus' mother, Mary. And there's many people today who continue in this vein, who regard Mary as the most blessed of all people, of all human beings, second only to Jesus. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church holds Mary in very high regard. Mary is someone people pray to in order to get special consideration from God, from Jesus. And to be fair, the Bible does talk about Mary being someone blessed. Even in the same book, back in the early, early pages of Luke, in chapter 1, it says these things. The angel announcing Jesus' birth says to Mary, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. Mary is looked on with high favour by God. And when she goes to visit her relative Elizabeth, Elizabeth sees her and says, Blessed are you among women because of this special task that she's got, carrying the Saviour. And Mary herself prays to God and says, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Mary is in a very privileged position. She has a great responsibility, a great honour to have this, this role in God's kingdom. But Jesus says, well, for all the blessing that she has, it's more blessed to be someone who hears God's word and obey it. If you think Mary is blessed, and, and she is, Luke tells us, you need to think even more highly of what it means to hear God's word and obey it. That's 
That's the real thing you should be aiming for. Not worried about trying to get close to me through Mary, someone who can you think can twist my arm, someone who has this status. It's more important. It's better to hear God's word and obey it. And then he goes on to give an example. Uh, this, this generation, he's talking to the people in front of him, the ones who are accusing him of being in league with Satan, and he says, well, this is a wicked generation, and they're asking for a sign for proof, but they're not going to get one except the sign of Jonah, the prophet who famously got thrown into the sea and then swallowed by a fish. God provided a fish to save him from drowning, and then after three days, it spat him out onto dry ground. I mean, in other accounts of what Jesus is saying here, he says, he calls this the sign. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth. This is the sign that this generation will get. Jesus himself will be killed and buried, but not stay buried like Jonah. He will come back to the land of the living. Jesus will be resurrected as a sign to this generation of God's power, of God at work in him. A sign clearly that he's not in league with Satan. Satan doesn't bring people back to life. And then he goes on to say how far this generation is from from being blessed, from being the people who hear God's word and obey. And he uses some examples. One of them is Jonah, that Jonah, after he got spat out by the fish, he went and preached to this foreign nation, the Assyrians in their capital, Nineveh. And he proclaimed to them, judgment is coming from God, repent. And what did they do? We're told they repented. This generation that Jesus is speaking to needs to learn from that example. They need to take God's word seriously. They need to repent of their sins. Uh, So also the second example he uses is the queen of the south who came to visit Solomon. He says, she will rise at the judgment alongside the people of this generation and she will condemn them. Why? What puts her in a better place? She came from the ends of the earth to hear Solomon's wisdom, the wisdom that God gave him. She came seeking out the truth that God reveals in order that she might learn from it. She took God's word seriously. She she came. She listened. The Ninevites listened to Jonah's preaching. But Jesus says, now someone greater or something greater than Jonah is here. Something greater than Solomon is here. It's himself, isn't it? He is the one who is greater. He is the one who not just reveals 
God's word by the message he speaks, but he is the very word of God in flesh. He reveals God in his very person through everything he says and does. He shows us what God is like. He's the one that that they were calling in league with Satan. The one who is God in the flesh. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Jesus then, he finishes with this, this warning, this section with a warning about light. He uses the illustration, no one lights a lamp and then hides it. No, light is for illuminating. Light is for revealing. And your eye is, it's a kind of strange image, the eye being the lamp of the body. Um, eyes don't provide light, do they? But the, the eyes are the, the way that the outside gets in, gets internalised. What's happening in the world out here is received through our sight. It's the gateway of truth. So if what we do with our eyes is healthy, if they see well, if they focus on the truth, if they take it in, then it's going to mean our whole body, our whole lives can be lived in an illuminated way. We can think and feel and act in light of this truth. Giving, given that he's just been talking about the word of God being heard and obeyed, it's a reminder, isn't it, to, to use our eyes to focus on the true source of truth. to get our truth from somewhere reliable, not from somewhere dodgy. And we have God's word, don't we? We have it. So easily available. And yet how much attention do we give it? How much is it before our eyes? Do you switch off when it comes to the Bible reading at church? Is that the time when you chase invisible fairies around the auditorium? No? Is it the time when you just start to do the to-do list for the week ahead? What things have I got to get done? You switch off? How much time do you spend reading the word and being shaped by it compared to other influences that are before your eyes. Our world is bombarding us with different messages, isn't it? Messages that aren't the same reliable source of truth as God's word. Our friends speak to us. 
giving us advice. The advertisements from businesses and companies sell us promises that are not based on truth, that are not rooted in what's actually good for us. How much time are we giving over? How much influence are we allowing them to have on us? Letting their messages, their false promises, shape our desires. How much time are we just mindlessly scrolling through news articles that, well, it's arguable how much factual content is in them and how much it's just someone's opinion? How much time do we spend just engaging with other people's opinions full stop through social media? When you add it all up and compare it to how much time is God's word entering your minds? How committed are you to hearing and obeying God? Because ultimately, that's the way to be blessed, Jesus says. The way to be blessed is to listen to God's word and obey it. Get it direct from the one, not just Jonah the prophet, not just the wisdom of Solomon, but from the one who is greater than Jonah, greater than Solomon, the one who came to reveal God, but came to be rejected and killed and came to demonstrate once and for all that God was pleased with him and at work in him when he was raised from the dead. Start of the year, sometimes when we consider over last year, uh, it's a time for restarting habits or trying to, trying to kickstart them. And maybe it's a good time for you to consider, are you, are you gathering together regularly with God's people around his word? We have uh, small groups that meet week by week that it would be fantastic to, to join into one if, you're, if you haven't been part of one of those already to meet together with other Christians. Sometimes it's, it's hard work to read and, and obey on our own, but when we've got each other, it makes it, it makes it easier. Maybe that's something you want to consider doing this year, joining with one of our Bible studies. Uh, we have our, there's a list of them up on the board if you want to know when they run, uh, but don't let that limit you. If you can't get to them, I'll run another one. I'll make it happen at a time when you can when you can make it. Uh, talk to me about it. Maybe you want to recommit to getting the Bible out with your family and making sure that you're seeking to bless them by having them hear the word and obey it, your household. Maybe you just want to do it as an individual by yourself. You want to recommit this year to reading God's Word. There's lots of ways to do that. There's apps you can use to get God's Word 
up on your screen. You can get it read to you out loud. The, uh, the new um, the ESV app, it's just called the ESV Bible, I think, uh, has just been updated with a whole lot of new voices uh, with famous uh, theologians uh, you might like to listen to, uh, but also others that are really practised at speaking clearly and helpfully to help you understand it. Maybe reading is hard, but listening to someone read is easier. It's a good way to get God's word before us. I don't think Jesus is concerned literally about our eyes seeing the words as much as he is concerned about our lives being shaped by his word. I've got here uh, today, I've got some Bible reading plans you might like to just take away and use as a bookmark in your Bible. They've got trying to get through, read through the, the whole of the New Testament this year. Um, you can tick it off, doesn't even have dates. So you, sometimes that's demoralizing if you feel like the dates are just passing by and you're behind. I've got one, doesn't have dates, so you don't have that uh, stick. Uh, there's lots of them out there. What are you going to do to make sure that you are seeking to be blessed by hearing God's word and obeying it? Uh, I want to finish with coming back to Mary. She is blessed and we shouldn't ignore the fact that she had a special role. But she herself, she called herself blessed by all generations, but she also said this. Blessed is she who had believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Sorry, Elizabeth said this to her. Luke records it. And Mary's not just blessed because God chose her to do this role, but she herself is blessed by hearing God's word and taking heed of it. So when Jesus says, well, rather blessed are those who hear the God's word and obey it. Well, she's one of them too. Are you? Let me pray for us. Lord God, we thank you for these sayings of Jesus that sometimes startle us or surprise us. Now please use them to wake us up to the real nature of reality. Lord God, please help us to pursue true blessedness, not by one caring about our status, how close we can get to you by people that we think are important. Help us to hear you directly by the word you have spoken in your Bible. Please soften us so that we might obey it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.